Let's give a shout out to all of our campuses that watch. All of our online viewers, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in each and every week. We're so appreciative. We have between 100 and 200 people that watch this service live, and so it's just not you right here. It's another 100-plus people that watch on Sunday at 11 o'clock. So thank you for coming out. Thank you for tuning in. A uh, special welcome to our Greenville, South Carolina campus. Give a shout-out to Greenville, South Carolina. Praise God. So what a wonderful day. Uh, give it up for our worship team this morning. They just um, nailed it today. Praise God. Great job, worship team. Thank you for all your hard work and preparation and just, uh, man, so, so good. This is our last in the series of, of Humpty Dumpty. And so give it up for um, uh, In Your Home Furnishings for allowing us to destroy Humpty Dumpty today. Now, I'm just, <laughs> I thought if I brought a bat and just start wailing on Humpty, but I'm not going to because then we have to buy him. And this series isn't about breaking things apart. It's about putting things back together, right? And so this is, what, this is what God will do. This is what Jesus came for because your life might be a wreck. It might be in shambles. It might be destroyed. You might think, and the enemy might just keep putting in your ear, you're no good, you're waste, you're human, you're just, you're no good. All those decisions you made are bad or people are bad and they've done bad things to you. And I want to tell you this, that Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you. And if it was just you, just one, not eight billion, just one person, he would have came and died for you because the love that he has for you is totally unconditional. You're not too good. You're not too bad. You're not too this. You're not too that. You are simply right where God wants you, and you're here for divine plan and purpose. Amen? Amen. All right. Praise God. And so we're uh, two things really quickly. Give it up for anybody who is a guest today here at Grace Church. Thank you for... Thank you for being our guest. There is a connect card. If you fill it out and take it outside, we've got some gifts for you and some things. I just want to maybe get to know you, answer any questions that you might have. And then uh, anybody here who loves kids, we need you to sign up to be a nursery or children's church volunteer one time a month, twice a month. But we need you to help out. We have uh, our church, our children's area is growing. Our nurseries are growing. We just need more people pumped into the system. And if, if you're on the schedule, we're going to ask that to show up and show off and show out and, and help out. Amen? So, uh, Pastor, I don't like kids. Well... We probably don't want you down there, but if you have any love towards kids, you don't even have to pray about it. Just sign up, and we're going to put you down there because we need help in that ministry. Amen? Amen. All right. Praise God. Uh, so uh, we're looking at today just the, the final in the series of what, how you can bring those pieces back together again. And in order to do that, we kind of have to see where things fall apart and how things fall apart. So we're going to go to a real prominent story in the scriptures that everybody knows, everybody's preached it, but we're going to just give a little bit of a twist on some of the things that maybe King David could have done better. So stand with me this morning for the reading of the Word of God out of 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter, first five verses. In the spring, when kings went to war, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and strolled around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, a very beautiful woman. So David sent someone to inquire about her and reported, this is Bathsheba, daughter of Aliam and wife of Uriah the Hittite. Stop there just for a second because I see some hypocrisy here, not in the word of God, but in David. David's a warrior, amen? 
David was a planner. He understood how to get into the enemy's territory. For him to not know who Uriah's wife was, was just stupid on his part or a lie, okay? Because Uriah was one of his 33 warriors. He would have known one of his warrior's wives. So hear me on this. Sometimes we act like we don't know what we're doing. We're only fooling ourselves. We're not, we're not fooling anybody else, and we're certainly not fooling God. We're just, the first liar always lies to himself first. Everything's going to be okay. Well, I didn't mean to. It was going to be all right. David falls into this trap. Don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into the trap of, well, I didn't know any better. You know better, all right? That's the first thing that'll go south is you'll think you don't know any better. This is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the high tight four. David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to him, he slept with her. Now she had just been done purifying herself from her uncleanness. Afterwards, she returned home. Verse 5, the woman conceived and sent word to inform David, I am pregnant. Father, we uh, thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you are alive and well uh, in Hickory this morning and around the world. We thank you for grace, uh, the church, but the grace, the activity, grace, the, the gift of God. So I pray you bless our ears today to hear our minds to be open and our hearts to be pure, to hear and understand and act upon everything that you'd have for us today. And we bless you ahead of time. And we thank you in advance for testimonies that are sure to come. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in agreement said, amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for the standing of the reading of the word of God. God is so good. Amen. All the time. God is good. Amen. And so we have to address this story uh, with a backup story. So if you go to 2 Samuel, and maybe you read that later uh, this week, the 10th chapter, uh, the king of the Ammonites dies, and his son takes over. And when the king dies and the son takes over, David wants to send a goodwill peace offering. He wants to send a, a, a gift basket, or he wants to send whatever a good gift would be today, and he wants to send it to the king, the new king, to say, hey, uh, this is King David, I'm, I'm in charge of Israel, we want to make peace with you, we want to be you know, partners in this thing. And, I, and the Bible says, Jesus speaking, blessed be the peacemakers, right? So it's always good if you try to make peace before war. And so he tries to make peace, and the king of the Anamites, the, the king has his inner circle, and the inner circle say, you know, I think David is trying to buffalo you. I think he's trying to, to get people in here to see how strong we are. We need to go attack David. You have to be careful what voices you listen to in your head. In fact, sometimes your heart has to tell your head to shut up. If you go by your heart, that's where the Lord operates in the heart first and it makes sense in the head afterwards. If you operate by faith and grace and mercy and truth, the Lord will always operate with your heart. It's like a gut instinct. I just think it's the right thing to do. I'm just pretty sure that after a while, the heart, the head starts to say, yeah, that's right. So the Ammonites get with the uh, Aramenianites and they start to form uh, a, uh, 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 an army. They get 20,000 men from this group, and they get 20,000 men from this group, and they start to attack, and David's men's come, men come back and say, hey, they didn't accept it. It wasn't a, it wasn't a gift that they really accepted really well, David. We, we got some trouble. So David says, what's the problem? And he said, the guys explain it. So he says, Joab, you take uh, this flank, and I'll take this flank, and we'll, we'll get these guys. And they didn't have an army of 40,000, but that day they killed 40,000 men and 700, what the Bible says, charioteers. 
chairs. In other words, they were men on chariots, okay? And so they kill over 40,000 people, and David comes back, and they start to celebrate because they just won a big, big battle, a big, big war. And then you get into verse number 1 of 2 Samuel 11 chapter, and it says, In the springtime, when they went out to war, Joab went out to fight again. He took the mighty men. He took the army, but David stayed behind. That leads us to our first point. You need to stay. David was not where he was supposed to be. You need to be where you're supposed to be. Hear me on that, church. That's not, that's not a rebuke. That's an encouragement. You need to be where you're supposed to be. When we're, whenever we are where we're supposed to be, it's hard for us to get in trouble. It's hard for us to not do the thing. See, if we're in church on a Sunday morning instead of laying back, if we're in our word on a Monday morning or Tuesday morning instead of just reading the newspaper or something else, if, if we're actually engaged in worship, like we're praising God, okay? The worship team is, is off the charts. People are, are just getting transformed during worship, but we're like playing on our phone or we're wondering, hey, where are we gonna go for dinner? Or we're, we're thinking about, man, I got this busy week. I gotta, you know, I gotta fly out tomorrow and I gotta be back on Thursday and then I gotta go here. And all these things going through our mind, those are tricks of the enemy so that you can't be freed up to do the things that God's called you to do. God has put everything in place for it to be pretty simple for us if we are where we're supposed to be. I played uh, high school football, elementary football. I played for a very, very short time in, in college. And the only thing that I ever learned playing football was be where you're supposed to be. Know your responsibilities. If you handle your responsibilities, you don't have to worry about anybody else. You just have to be the best teammate there is and work on your responsibilities. Listen, church, Grace Church, if we just do what we're supposed to do, if we handle what we're supposed to handle, doing the things that we're supposed to do, we don't have to worry about anybody else. It's funny because Jane and I took, a, took the long way to church this morning, and we have had, for years, we had uh, these tethered flags out here, feathered flags out here, waving, and then the city called and says, you can't do that, it's in city ordinance, and like, it's a flag, inviting people to church, you know, and um, so, well, we, sometimes forgiveness is better than permission, so our usher team said, what should we do, I said, put them out, so we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to do a lot of things we do, <laughs> but we're not going to tell anybody. <laughs> Put them out. So then uh, one usher who's a board member says, Pastor, what do you think? Should we continue to put them out? I said, yeah, let's put them out. He said, we're not supposed to. I said, I know we're not supposed to, but let's put them out. So then the city called Brian, a Polk, our administrator, and said, hey, you shouldn't be putting those flags out. And Brian said, uh, okay, um, I'll, let me talk to Pastor. You talk to whoever you want, but those flags come out, you're going to get a fine. Pastor, we shouldn't put the flags out. How come? They're going to fine us. Well, let's just see if they do. Let's put them out one more time. <laughs> City calls again and says, I'm telling you right now, if you don't do something with those flags, you're going to get a fine. Pastor, what do you want to do? Board member says, Pastor, what do you want to do? I said, dear Lord. I mean, if they don't want us to have them out, let's just put them in for a while. I drive by two churches this morning in Hickory that got flags out. I'm ordering new flags. Let's say Grace Church, and we're putting them out there. 
And I don't know if that proved my point because that's exactly what somebody else is doing that we're going to do it. But I'm, we, I feel like sometimes you'll be challenged by the enemy and I've got the cell number of the city manager and I'm calling him direct because I did him a favor recently and he's going to do us one right back. Amen? All right, amen. So I don't know how long it's going to take to order those things, but we're going to get them out there. They're going to look really good right, right down right here. Grace Church, Grace Church, Grace Church, Grace Church. How many you want? As many as you will buy. <laughs> Who will buy a flag? One, me and Janie, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten, well, ten ten's good. Cliff, how many are you buying? One, thank you. Two, three, four, five. Fifteen. We're getting fifteen flags. That's going to be awesome. We'll put five in front and ten down that side. And I will call that city manager and say, I got flags because that church does. And we're a better church. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of teasing. <laughs> David was not where he was supposed to be. And because he was not, he got himself in trouble. So listen, simple as can be, church, you just need to be where you're supposed to be. I know that's simple. I know that's easy. I know the enemy will come and attack you. And when he comes in like a flood, God will raise a standard up against that. God will take care of you. He watches over you. He loves you. If you ever see, have you ever seen like a mama bear? Like, no, I'm not talking about the actual bear. I'm talking about like a mama bear. Come here for a second, honey. Here's a mama bear right here. This mama bear, she will not let anybody happen, anything happen to her kids. Who's like that? Ladies, who's like that? Yeah, right. That's, that's, we have a church full of them, okay? And then the doesn't stop at the kids, and it goes to the grand. Stay here. It goes to the grandbabies, right? And so it's like mama bear. Well, then she's also the matriarch of this church. Then so she not. Well, listen. If much as Janie loves you all or y'all, as much as she loves our kids, as much as she loves the grandbabies, how much more do you know that God loves you? He's not going to let anything that happens contrary to you to what. See, look at how they just they're drawn to her. They don't want to come to Poppy. They shake me off like I don't exist. I got the plague or something. But these guys, go ahead. Thank you, honey. Listen, if you take that attitude, God, if you told me to do it, I need to do it. I'm going to do it. He'll take care of everything else. You just need to be where you are. And listen, if you should fall, John, okay, G uh, John, the James's brother, John, who wrote five books of the New Testament, John says, okay, if you fall, you have an advocate with the Father. What's his name? Jesus Christ, the righteous. In fact, Solomon said in Proverbs that a righteous man might fall seven times, but he gets up after every one. In other words, it's not a bad deal to fall. It's a bad deal to stay down. So you may fall, just get back up. Just get back up. Just get back up. Just get back up. It's your duty to get back up. You might fall. The enemy may come and wipe you out. You might, uh, we were, uh, we, the family's in, so we've been hanging out at the house, all right? And have you ever played Red Rover, Red Rover? Man alive. I forgot how physical that game is. And so we were playing Red Rover, Red Rover. We were trying to get the little kids involved. Only when you get little kids involved with big kids, the, something dangerous is going to happen. And so it was me, Janie, and Jessica on a, on a team. Our team was shrinking. So we called Brady over. Brady's getting into fifth grade. And Brady's, uh, Brady's good size. I mean, Brady's a, and, and he was coming hardcore. 
And so me and Jessica were holding hands, and, and me and Janie, and he chose for whatever reason not to run through me and Janie, but he wanted to test me and Jessica, and he, he hit it chest high, and his legs went out from underneath him. Man, it was a YouTube moment. He just, boom. He's, he's, he's laying on the ground. <laughs> it was awesome. I'm telling you, we, we laughed about it. We made sure he was all right, which he was, I think. And then we, we helped him up. And it was like every now and then things may happen to you to where you fall and it may not even be your fault. It may not be anything that you did. You still have to get back up. You can't lay down and blame and complain and say, well, I'd be standing up if it wasn't their fault or if, it, if they wouldn't have done this to me or if this wouldn't have happened when I was younger. You just need to get back up, brush yourself off and say, thank you, Jesus, I surrender all to you. Amen? Point number two, then David wasn't where he was at. David gave in to selfish desires. David gave in to the fact that he wanted his flesh to win out over his spirit. He didn't care who would hurt. And some people are like that. Can I tell you this? We need to stop being selfish if we're going to advance the kingdom of God. We need to stop being selfish. If, if there needs people need to be working in the nursery, if people need to work on the, on the sidewalks or in the block parties, if people need to work as usher greeters, if people need to work uh, every, every week the first service and then come to the second service, whatever it is, we have to stop giving into selfishness. We need to start speaking life into each other, and it needs to be, hey, God, what can I do to advance the kingdom of God? What can I do to, to be a part of what you're doing at Grace Church or in your area or in your town or in your city? And I believe God's given us a vision, and he's given us a purpose, and he's given us life and that in more abundance, and the enemy, the enemy will try to come and take that away. But you have life flowing through your veins. He is a life giver. God is a life giver. Benjamin Franklin said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Think about that for a second. David, like I said, he, he acted like he didn't know who Uriah's wife was, but he knew Uriah, and Uriah was one of his top 33 men, and yet he sends Uriah into, uh, to come back to sleep with his wife. She, he won't because he's a warrior. He's at war, and that was off limits, so he sleeps at the outside door. David catches wind of that, sends him to the front line so that Uriah basically will die. And then, I don't know if it's weeks or months later, Nathan the prophet, a good friend of David, and by the way, you need good friends in your life that will tell you right from wrong. You need people that will speak into you, truth into you, not just candy-coated. I just say, well, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, you're right. It's all right. Just leave it up to God. God might be sending you to speak truth into somebody else's life. You need to be that truth speaker and truth seeker. Amen? And so Nathan comes and says, hey, David, there was this guy who had all kind of sheep, and man, he had, all, he had more than he knew what to do with, and there was another guy, kind of a peasant fellow that just had a few sheep, and the guy that had a bunch of sheep, he went over and grabbed a sheep from the one who didn't have hardly any, and he brought that sheep into his flock, and David said, where is he? I'll kill that guy. And Nathan said, you're that guy. You're that, you're that person. You've been selfish. You've, you've thought only about yourself. You've not, you've not taken things to heart. You've not, you've not been the person that you're supposed to be. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. You need to be careful, David. And so David repents. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he repents. He starts to get things right. So I would say this morning, if you only think about yourself, you need to be careful that you're walking into selfish desires. And you're walking into selfish things that if you're, that if you're not careful will become, will become part of what will destroy you 
in a really, really bad way. I was, uh, Jane and I, most of you know, we sold our house recently. Uh, we do that quite often. We're done. It's no more. It's all over. Um, but the, the house we bought, if you, if you do anything with real estate, you'll know that sometimes you get refund checks, like, because a lot of stuff is held in escrow, and then you get a refund. So I get, we get a refund check from our um, insurance company, uh, and I always have a problem. So I have a board of directors that helps me with the finances of the church. They're my covering, okay? So we don't spend large amounts of money without approval. We don't buy or sell property without the, the congregation's approval. And so I report to them every month or six weeks, so on. And then I don't ever try to tell people how to spend their money. But if you're dealing with my money, it's like my money. And Jenny knows I'm a pit bull when it comes to my money. It's our money, but like in this case, it's our money. Sorry, she's saying it's our money. <laughs> our money. <laughs> Preach it. It's our money. Um, when it comes to our money, I like, I want to know where everything is. She, you know, I check our bank account uh, every day. Wisdom, right, Jill? Yeah. I do because we've been hacked twice, you know, and, and uh, the whole f weird stuff they do. Anyways, I go to the bank. The insurance company sends my check to the mortgage company, which paid off. And I, I go to the bank. I say, you know, first of all, I go to the insurance company. I say, I don't think you should send my money to somebody else. You should send it back to me. Well, it's law, whatever. Okay. So then I get the check in the mail. And I go to the bank. And the banks are already stamped and signed it. So I go to the bank, a large bank, a nationally known bank. And I go to the bank and I say, okay, uh, here's the check you issued me. Here's the letter that came with it because I know you think I, I, I stole a stamp and stamped somebody else's name on it. I didn't do that. And so they're laughing and they don't believe me. Well, this, this doesn't look right. I'm, we're not, I'm not, no, it's your bank. Your bank wrote the check. And because your bank wrote the check, now I'm, I got to cash the check or deposit the check because it's my bank too. So we're, we're on the same team here. It's both of our banks. Okay, lady says, I have to get managerial approval. Manager comes through and says, I've never seen anything like this, sir. We're, I don't think we can cash the check. Okay, uh, just deposit it. Don't cash it. Just deposit I don't care what you do with it. It's my money. It's your, now you're starting to get me mad <laughs> because it's my money. And that insurance company should have sent it to me, but they sent it to you instead. Now you wrote it, and your guy signed it, and now they sent it back to me. Me and my wife have signed it, and now we're going to deposit it. I just want to deposit the money. I don't need money back. Uh, I'm going to get some money out, but I got enough money in there. Long story short, uh, one of the tellers knew me. And she said, hey, Mark, did you sell your house recently? I said, yeah. So it's not an insurance check. It's an overpaid. The money really is his anyways. Just, just let him deposit or, or give him the money for the check. And so I, signed, I have signed the check. I give it to the lady. And the lady says, we have to wait. The money's no good. We have to see if the check clears. You wrote the check. The check has your bank name on it. I bank at the same bank. It's just protocol, sir. It's just policy. Can I tell you that the check that Jesus Christ has written for you is good? Amen. You can already deposit it. It's already a done deal. The only thing that happens if we say, hey, where's mine? I need my part. And we start a selfish desire in our life. And David who had plenty, decided that he want more. And any time we want more and it's not in the Lord's will, we start to get ourselves in trouble. 
Two things you control in life, and that's anointing and authority. Listen to me really quickly. Mark 1.22, the Bible says that he taught as one having authority. They were talking about Jesus. He had authority because he is the word of God, but he also then gives you the authority to bind and loosen. He gives you the authority to speak life, and he gives you the power and authority. And so if you've been taking the authority to do the work of God, you're walking in his good graces. The second thing is anointing. The disciples in Acts 4 and 13 were told this, I have recognized, Gamaliel says, that they have been with Jesus. See, when you are with Jesus, mighty things will happen. Unbelievable things will happen. Because why? Because the anointing starts to come down from heaven. Zephaniah 3 says, God starts to dance over you. That one part of that song says, before we were even born. Is that reckless love? Before we were even born, he starts to do those things. Before we're even born, he starts to make provision for you. He starts to make aware of you. He starts to make uh, causes for you. And all of a sudden, if we get selfish desires and we start to fall in this thing that it's all about me and it's not about anybody else, we start to lose the anointing and the authority. David had lost his anointing and authority temporarily. Why? Because he became very selfish. And point number three, then he had to recreate. David asked to be recreated. Psalms 51 and 10, Janie quoted part of it last week. David says, create within me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me, return unto me the joy of my salvation. See, I have a feeling some people, uh, they said the prayer, and they even had joy at one time. They were, they were saved. They were reading their Bible every morning. Man, they couldn't wait to get to church. They were so excited, and then it kind of wore off. You need to have the joy of salvation return to you. You need to get in that manner where it becomes joyful. It becomes powerful. It just becomes a desire. Man, God, I, I can't wait to get with God's people. I can't wait to get to just to talk to people about Jesus. I can't wait to, to get in the, 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 the small group. I can't wait to get into a, a prayer group, a prayer meeting. I can't wait to understand that, God, you are so locked in. You are so cool, Lord. It's, it's, it's my turn now. I get to go to church. And some of us grew up so spiritually where it was demanded upon us to be here at a certain time, there at a certain time. It's not about how or when or where we're supposed to go. It's the desire in our heart that we get to go. We get to be a part. I see people today and I give them a hug and see a couple people I haven't seen for a couple weeks since they've been out of town. I give them a hug and I see different ones that I haven't seen since last week and I give them a hug and I see different ones that Jane and I have been praying for through health issues and that and I give them a hug and it's like, man, alive, it's just great to see people that God loves and we're able to do church with. And see family members, we had family in this week, and, and just it's been so crazy great just being able to be with family. And we were in the backyard the other day on Friday, and I took the, told Janie, I said, look, honey, we created this. This is all because of you. This, these are ours. And I think, church, I think God does the same thing. I think he looks down on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a Tuesday morning. He said, man. These are my people. They love me. And should you ever fall, and should your life be in a hundred million pieces, the restorer, Jesus Christ, the redeemer, the restorer, all these different puzzle pieces that came out of this egg. And Janie's going to close, and she gives a really good analogy, much better than I'll give. But when your life feels like it is falling apart, it is the Lord's job. It is his good pleasure to put you back together again. Think about that for a second. 
We have condemned ourselves to the point where we are no good. And Jesus is up in heaven saying, come on, I want to restore you. I want to put you back together again. See, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, right? Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Maybe he had fallen before. Because the word again there could be used, like it's not the first time. And you might say, man, I've gone down this road time after time after time after time again, and I don't want to do it anymore. That's okay. Then stop. Just ask the Lord, create within me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Return unto me the joy of my salvation. The joy of the Lord is his strength. You become strong when you start to praise God. You become strong when you start to worship God. The worship songs that we sang today is just like, man, I just wanted to keep going. Just hit replay. We have a, that replay on your phone or whatever. And I just want to replay those things. Can we just replay it time and time and time and time again? Why? Because I build up strength when I hear God's wonderful people singing the joy of the Lord. And you start to become recreated. The Lord starts to put things back together. And maybe the enemy comes with a baseball bat and he sledgehammers and he just breaks you to pieces. And, and you think, not again. And the Lord comes back by because he's faithful and he starts to remold you. He starts to remake you. He starts to reform you. Really quickly, let me give you just a couple thoughts. Because the reason we have to be recreated, church, is because Adam fell. Adam did what he wasn't supposed to do. And it's still in human nature today to do not what we're supposed to do. We have to fight that will every day in some cases. I, no, I, I, I want to I work out. I want to look like Kelly Davis. That's never going to happen, but I want to look like Kelly Davis. And, and uh, that's not going to happen, but I want to. <laughs> that's like, he's not my idol. I'm not an idol. Not, but I mean, like, I want to. Right? So I get out there and work out, and, I, and the devil says, you're never going to look like Kelly Davis. And I say, you're right, devil, I'm not, but I'm going to look like Mark Dolphins. I'm going to be the best Mark Dolphins that I can look like. So stop looking like somebody else and start being the same person that God's been created you to be. And if I got up and worked out at 5 o'clock every morning and I was a fitness freak, I might look like him. But I like donuts <laughs> and ice cream. So this is the best donut and ice cream I'm going to look like. Take it. <laughs> What's my point? Know who you are. Seriously, please know who you are. Stop beating yourself up. Stop looking like somebody that you weren't meant to be. Start looking inward to who God created you to be. And when God creates you to be that person, you be the best you that you can be. You're going to be an amazing you. And, and the enemy's not going to do anything. He can't do anything. The, the enemy can't do anything at all. Because now you got him. Because all you're doing is working on you. And Adam fell. And I have some scriptures. I won't go through them, Jason. Let's not worry about them. Adam fell. Caused sin to come into the world. Unfortunately, we're born into that sin. Okay? It's, it's, not, it's not a choice. When you're born into it becomes a choice, though, that you can be born out of it and born again. And when you become born again out of sin into this new life with Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean that you're never gonna sin ever again. What it means is that you don't desire to sin anymore. And should you fall, like I said, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, but our goal should be, our desire should be, every day we grow a little bit closer to who Jesus is in us. How do we do that? We worship, we pray, we give thanks. We, we talk to God, 
through his son Jesus Christ, just like he was our best friend. We thank Jesus that he put us back together again. And some of us have missing pieces. Some of us have places where we, we, we may in our mind be forever damaged, but the Lord's already worked on those and he'll continue to work on them. Adam fell, God spoke. Adam needed a savior, God made a promise. Adam didn't understand life away from the garden, God provided. And then God does something very amazing in the third chapter of Genesis in the 17th verse. Do we have that up there? Let's, let's see that for just a second. And he said to Adam, because you have listened to your wife's voice and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from the ground is cursed because of you. You eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. Stop there for a second in closing because someone needs to hear this today. God did not curse Adam. God cursed the ground. Here's, here's the point I want to make. When the enemy does something to you, he does it in the means of being cursed so that he can get back at God. God's blessings are on your life. Does that mean bad things may happen to you? Yes, they may happen to you because there's, we're living in a world where there's sin evolves. However, God will not ever curse you. His plan is to redeem and to restore you. His plan is to build you back up and make you whole. He curses the enemy around you and there's a reminder there, and I know it because I, we all have yards and you may have thorns or thistles in your yard. You may have poison ivy or poison oak in your yard. You may have things that try to creep on you and get in you on your yard, but God is the redeemer and so he restores. God is the medicine that continues to bring us back to that fruitful desire that God wants for each of us. Bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. If you're here today, nobody looking around. You say, hey, Pastor, my life is basically just in pieces. It's in shambles. It may be, it may be that it's relationally. It may be that it's uh, physically. It may be that it's emotionally from past experiences. It may be that it's spiritually because you're not where you want to be or feel like you need to be. If you're here and you say, my, my life is in pieces, I want you to raise your hand right up wherever you're at. Thank you, for, thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you. I get it. I get it. God gets it. I'm going to ask every person here to stand. Every person, whether you raise your hand or not. And I'm just, I'm just going to pray with you. We're going to sing a worship song. Janie's going to close. And I want you to know this, that even though your life may feel like it's in pieces, it may in fact be in pieces, and it may be in pieces because of something that you did, maybe a poor decision in your life. If you turn everything that you have over to Jesus right now, he will start to repair it. He will start to make it whole. He is unlike Humpty Dumpty's kings and horses. He can recreate and make things whole again. Close your eyes, bow your head, just lift your arms up towards heaven if you're comfortable doing so. Father, you are such a good and awesome God. I thank you so much. Lord, first of all, for the boldness and the honesty of those who held their hands up today saying, yeah, I've got pieces in my life that are just a wreck. And Lord, would you bring them back together again? Lord, we know you will, we know you can, and we know you're the one that knows how. So I pray today, Father, continue, allow them, restore in them the power, the authority, the anointing, Father Lord, to walk this life out. Lord, to be a blessing, Father Lord, to, to show the goodness of Christ, to be a testimony. I pray, Lord, whether it be physical, spiritual, financial, mental, emotional, or relational, Lord, that you would bring restoration in this place right here and right now, Father, we declare and thank you for it. Jesus name we pray. Let's worship one song. Thanks for coming out today. Remember, God is on your side.
So this whole month, we've been talking about the egg. Humpty Dumpty is a fairy tale. It's a story, but it's about an egg. And when Pastor was talking in first service, I couldn't go on with the second part because I was so stuck on be where you're supposed to be. Be who you're supposed to be. He was supposed to be an egg protecting trouble with this on the first one. He's too strong. Protecting what was on the inside. He, that was what he was made to be, but he was so busy being a busybody and wasn't where he was supposed to be that he fell and his 
protection, the thing he was supposed to be, fell in a hundred pieces and broke. And, and I got so stuck on that. I thought, you know, we've been so focused on, on that. But the Holy Spirit just put in my heart the shale. We haven't focused enough on the shale, the, the outside of what you're supposed to be. And so I kind of just got lost there for a little while just on the protection of what this eggshell does. We don't eat the outside of the egg. We peel it. We hard boil it. We, we discard it. We throw it away. But the job of the shell was to protect the yolk and the chicken or the thing that's on the inside. And we just need to allow the Holy Spirit in our lives to be this shell. We just need to say, Holy Spirit, will you tell me where to go? Would you help me when I make a mistake and start going down the wrong path? Would you just quicken my heart and my mind and say, should you be looking at that? Should you be thinking about going there? Should you be drinking? Whatever your your issues that takes over, your, your thing that takes over and lets you not be in control anymore. Let the Holy Spirit be your shell your protector and say I need to listen to that voice that tells me because the Holy Spirit was put in our lives to be our protector he's put to be our wisdom and our knowledge and we need understanding allow the shell to do its job and I really heard that in in this morning so remember when you're praying this week just pray ask the Holy Spirit be my protector be my my helper because that's what the Holy Spirit was sent one sent alongside to help but he can only do it if you allow him to do that otherwise we get our lives and we have all these pieces and we just shatter and we fall and then our shell is no longer usable and our life is a mess but God and the Holy Spirit can do this and put us right back together and be this perfect thing that he intended us to be if we allow the Holy Spirit to do what his job is, be where we're supposed to be. Be who you're supposed to be. Thank God there's not another Janie. The world couldn't handle it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's just who I am. But it's who you are. And there, there's not another Leslie and Victoria, although they look alike and you can't tell them apart, they are totally different because God made them totally different. But they're beautiful. And God made them to look the same, but they're not the same. So they are who they are. And I love that about the barefoot. With They have two sets of twin girls. They didn't, and if you did this, it's okay. You didn't give them Carrie and Sherry and, you know, all those cute names. It's Leslie and Victoria. They don't even rhyme. Rachel and Ellen, they don't rhyme. But, but the parents intended them just to be who they are supposed to be, just like like God wants us to be. Be who you're supposed to be. So um, we're so appreciative that in your home furniture, let us use Humpty this whole month. I just appreciate them so much. It's, it's just a great store. And um, so this is the last day Humpty gets to attend, attend our church. So if you want to come up and snap a picture, we'll have somebody up here kind of garden him because he's pricey. He's expensive. Um, and they do give good deals, but I don't think getting a good deal on that. So you want to make sure. Um, take a picture because he'll be leaving us. And we have donuts and coffee out in the foyer. So we want you just to take a moment and fellowship and um, be who you are. Be who God wants you to be. And be where you're supposed to be. Guard your eyes. Guard your... We talked about the gates last week. So 
guard your gates, guard your areas where the enemy wants to come in and break it and crack you. Just put a guard on that. Let your shell do its job. Be the protector, okay? Father, we love you and we thank you that you are so good to us. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is, is our protector and our helper. He is a paraclete. He is one that is called alongside to help us. So let us just do what your word tells us to do and allow him to help us. Ask for wisdom when we need it. Ask for strength when we need it. When our eyes want to look in different places where they shouldn't go, ask the Holy Spirit, help me. Help my heart. Help me line up to your word. Let me be what you've called me to be and be where I'm supposed to be. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, one service next Sunday at 11. Love y'all so much. Get a donut. your life through this ministry. Join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.